Welcome to Write on Track, a songwriting podcast. Thanks to Tone for tuning in. I'm Demi Michelle Schwartz, and I'm thrilled you're joining me on my songwriting journey. So kick back and relax, don't fall flat, and remember, stay right on track. Welcome back to Right on Track. I'm so excited because joining me today is a very special guest, Nikki Kennedy. Hey, Nikki. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so excited you're here because today we're going to be talking all about genres. And I don't know about you, but I feel like as the years go on, genre lines are going to continue to blur more and more. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Me too. Well, before we dive into this conversation, can you share with everyone a little about yourself and your musical journey so far? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm a singer-songwriter. I'm from New Zealand, and I'm currently based in Vancouver in Canada. And uh, music's been in my life forever, like actually forever. And uh, yeah, I moved to Canada uh, to attend Performing Arts College, and um, I've found home here. And Uh, Now I release music as a solo artist, uh, mostly in the pop-esque genre. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. And your music has been taking off these past couple months. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, since you mentioned your genre-esque pop, (laughs) um, I think it's time to dive into this. Um, So can you start off by reading an awesome quote by Haley Reinhardt? Of course. I love this quote. I feel like it resonates so much. So it's, music continues to remind me that its boundaries are limitless. I love this. What does this quote mean to you? Oh, I just, there's something magical about the wording of this that like just resonates. And I always get like tingly when I think about like the potential of creation and the idea that we take like nothing, like air, you know, like we take absolutely nothing and create something to share with people and hope that they can can connect to it like I just I like I'm I'm like smiling from ear to ear thinking about that concept right now and that's sort of what this pulls out for me exactly I love that and honestly you know she's pointing out that it is endless and it truly is you know we don't have to put ourselves in boxes and do the same lyrical concept or same genre same instrumentation we can literally do whatever feels right and as a whole creativity and imagination truly have no limits and so I love this quote because music is something so creative so honestly something like that wouldn't have any boundaries and we shouldn't allow it to. Well and if we think about sort of like where the whole idea of genre sort of like came from and how like different styles of music emerged was it like it came from people pushing the boundaries of what was socially acceptable or what was considered quote unquote normal or you know like that's how we even got here to begin with and that's the beauty of art is we can challenge um our current like society and 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 what we think we can do with it exactly yeah that's a great point i mean if you look back across history um and look at how genres evolved in the contemporary genres today you can see how they're rooted in the more traditional genres from the past. And I think that's something that is continuing to happen. And that's why genres are becoming so blurred because we got here from being innovative from past genres. But as we continue to do that, more and more fresh kind of sounds are starting to develop from that. And as we go, I cannot wait to see in a couple of years where the genres are at. 
Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about our genre preferences as individuals. So first, as a listener, growing up and even now, what are the genres you tend to turn to to listen? So growing up, I listened, uh, you know, I think I think most of us are informed um, by our parents or the, the people that we, we grow up with in, in terms of what we hear in those formative years. So for me, that was actually largely like disco and traditional R&B and um I guess at the time, what was pop, which would be considered like traditional pop now, like your uh, Mariah's and Whitney's and Celine's and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I had a very uh, big upbringing in, I guess, the network that is R&B genres. And then in high school, I think like everybody sort of like start to discover new styles and new music. and, And that was sort of where rock emerged for me. Um, and these days, honestly, I listen, and I, I know this sounds like a little bit of a cop-out, but I honestly listen to most genres at this point in my life. Um, I, I don't know. I love it. Like I'm, I'm obsessed and I think we can learn so much from, from every genre. I would say up until this year, country was a genre that I, I really had no context for. And uh, it's actually funny because my, my live show, my virtual shows, my live streams, um, have brought that genre very much into my world because a lot of my listeners and viewers are big country fans. So I learn songs for them. And now I've been able to like have my eyes open to this whole other world that really didn't exist for me before. That's fabulous. Yeah, like you, I was very influenced by my parents growing up, but overall it's pop. And even through like middle school, high school, early college, really I focused on pop music, some dance EDM, which is kind of in that same, you know, style range. But like you, I haven't listened to country at all really until um, Kelsey Ballerini released Homecoming Queen a couple years ago. And when she released that song, I was like, oh my gosh, country. Country existed all along? Like, where country come from? But everybody was trying to, like, get me to listen to country. My brother-in-law was like, to me, you have to listen to country. And I'm like, nope, I'm good with my pop music. So I feel like, you know, (laughs) at a certain point of time, like, I wasn't really open to a lot of genres. And Right. It takes it crossing into pop. Yeah. (laughs) It's like that country pop crossover starts to happen. You're like, right. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I feel like once I started to dive into songwriting and wanted to, you know, take my career more seriously, that's when I started to really branch out and started to really appreciate country and R&B as well, some soul folk a little bit too, singer-songwriter. And I feel like as an artist, which is something you kind of touched on a little bit, your fans love country and you haven't really done that before. But in opening up to that genre and performing country songs you're reaching a wider audience and I feel like even if we don't record and release a bunch of different genres ourselves I think being able to perform different genres is super important because you can touch more hearts and like you know have a wider audience absolutely and honestly I think the more that we can be influenced and inspired and anything that like adds to tapping into and accessing that creativity and and whatever makes us tick I I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm certainly you know that might be for me sometimes that's an industrial rock song and sometimes it's a rap song and sometimes it's pop (laughs) you know what I just sometimes just jazz you know listening to Ella like oh my goodness like I I think it's it's a cool thing and and uh we're, we're we're lucky enough to live in a time where we're not restricted by access and I think that's that's part of you know um 
how this genre blurring is is at a peak right now. But, you know, we can literally push one button and find any song that's ever been released. (laughs) And like, there's no cost, there's no barrier to access. And, um, you know, you don't have to save up to go buy a CD, which is how I spent my childhood, you know, like just save up to buy CDs. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I just think that's kind of the beauty of it is that we, we don't have the traditional record store um, or even, you know, like when you used to go into a record store and and everything was sort of defined by genre or whatever, you know, now it's like everything's accessible, everything's open and we're starting to um, you know, have suggestions, algorithmic suggestions made for us based on our listening. And we're finding playlists that are based entirely on moods or things we're doing, like cleaning the house. Like it's just a different approach and I'm here for it. Like I'm so excited to see, cause I think that's how people consume. I don't think listeners like actively think, well, this is actually more of a contemporary R and B song. Than <laughs> I don't think people listen like that. I think they listen for what makes them feel what makes them feel good what makes them want to dance what makes them want to cry like that's what they're listening for and I think if we shift from that like you know what is traditional mindset to let's just make great music I think the potential is limitless I love that and I love how you brought up how especially the streaming platforms like Spotify seem to have a focus on mood over genre because you mentioned these playlists like show hits or workout or whatever <laughs> I never get that one recommended to me. I wonder no, why. It's, <laughs> it's on it my knows, home screen. It knows. <laughs> on my home screen. So, yep, it's a sign to me. You've got to work out more. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get more like morning coffee. <laughs> it knows. It knows I don't work out enough. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, like those mood generated kind of playlists, I think the streaming platforms are absolutely genius for doing that because music isn't about genre. It's about feeling things and emotion. You want to feel something, you want to cry, you want to laugh, you want to smile, all those things. And it's always been about emotion. You know, emotions are at the heart of music. And so I think, you know, people are starting to not focus so much on I exclusively listen to country or I'm a pop fan. It's more like whatever you want to feel, that's what you go for. And I think, you know, the way music is so accessible these days, you can literally get on Spotify, type in a genre, and there you go. There's a whole curated playlist just for that. I can literally type in that I'm grumpy today and it'll give me something. (laughs) Like mood booster, you know, like it's, it's it's an amazing thing. And the truth of it is, is that this is like a construct that, was built by an industry purely for classification and marketing, right? And I have yet to meet a single person that only likes one kind of music. I think most people, you know, people might not love everything and that's okay. We're humans. We're allowed to have tastes and preferences. But I I think a lot of people like more than one genre and want to hear more than one genre and like, honestly, that's kind of, you know, even if you think about DJs and you go, you go to a club and get on the dance floor, it does not matter if they're playing disco or if they're playing 90s hip hop. If you love the song and you want to move, you're on that dance floor. <laughs> and again, it goes back to vibe and energy and feeling and like all of those super important things that have absolutely nothing to do with, you know, what the genre is. And I think also like genre shifts all the time, especially in contemporary genres and, and pop. 
uh, specifically because of cultural context and what's going on in the world. That's why pop today doesn't sound the same as it did in the 50s. And it doesn't even sound the same as it did in the 80s, although that is coming back and I'm also here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, a lot of great points. And I love how you touched on marketing, which is something I want to dive deeper into. And it's so interesting because when you look at labels and things, they have to kind of approach it from that kind of classification angle because they're trying to target an audience in some way. And it's super interesting because I did some research and I kind of discovered that a lot of industry professionals are saying that genre lines blurring for mainstream stars is much different than independent artists because if you're a hit you know, songwriter or incredible artist and you drop something that's completely off the rails and different, if you have millions and millions of fans, they're going to love it because they love the artist. But as an independent artist, if you're trying to get noticed and you don't have a certain style or niche or something that makes you stand out and says, hey, this is my style, it can be really hard for labels to kind of look at an artist and know what to do with them from a marketing standpoint. So what are your thoughts on that? 100%. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when you get into the business side and the investment side, that's always, that's always the gamble, right? Is like, is this an investable brand? And part of that brand is the sound. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because I I think about someone like Lil Nas X or whatever, who like did everything on his own. And like, I think when Old Town Road came out, if I might, I might be mistaken here, but I'm pretty sure he classified it as country. And then it ended up charting and then they like removed it because they're like, oh, the genre classification is wrong or something like that. And then it wasn't until he then got signed and like, you know, released on major label that it was like this thing that was okay and appropriate or whatever. But I think it's it speaks to that idea that like, you know, when you're successful, you can kind of do whatever you want. But I think that is shifting, at least from an artistry and an audience perspective, because I think you 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 nailed that on the head when you said like they're they're invested in the artist right they love the artist they love the person they love they're gonna love whatever they put out and that's true of indies too for indies it's more about creating that community to get to a point where a major label can say or any label can say I this person has built this audience and it's like real genuine authentic connection because it comes from an honest place therefore it resonates therefore you know it's, it's, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think what is hard for independent artists in the beginning, and even for things like Spotify, you know, our pitching and all of that sort of stuff is that early classification provides data that allows them to try and help you find your audience. So when we're pitching for playlists or whatever, you know, Spotify can say, okay, so it's this, this, and this, does it sound like this? Maybe, maybe, maybe people might like this. And like, you know, that's how we have our radios and our fans also like, and it's sort of testing those waters. And the difference between an indie artist is maybe that pool of data isn't as big as somebody that has had some success or has major label backing. Um, so it's harder for them to to try and figure out exactly where you fit in that landscape. Um, but I would like to see that shift moving forward because I think we are moving into a time where people just really value work and art that comes from honest places and I think if an artist is going to be true to themselves then 
putting limits on themselves to try and match some idea or expectation of what the industry may or may not want. And probably for the most part, isn't going to like pay attention anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then, you know, like that, that's, that's not the way we want to be creating moving forward, especially, you know, in a time where the sky really is the limit with technology. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. And I honestly think there are so many great examples of mainstream artists who are making a statement about how it's not about genre, it's about music and the audience. And two that I want to touch on are Taylor Swift and Mary Moore, starting with Taylor. So Taylor's all about, you know, writing songs that feel right from her heart. And she went from country, from, you know, her self-titled through Red, and then 1989 through Lovers, more pop. And then folklore and evermore or more like alternative, folky, you know. And that's a perfect example of how somebody can shift genres and she's not in a box. Taylor Swift is not going to listen to what anybody tells her about genres. She's doing what she wants. And I've been a Swifty through all the different genre eras, you know. And I think as independent artists and kind of getting into this industry, we're kind of looking up to her. And like, I'm definitely looking up to her in a way that makes me feel like I don't have to be in a box and I write both pop and country I'm definitely leaning more country pop right now but if I want to write a piano ballad then write you know a dance song why not um and I think Taylor's a great great example yeah and okay so Taylor is an interesting example here because um I the first time I really listened to Taylor was 1989 because I didn't have any context for the country world whatsoever. And even her like semi crossover, it just, it never, never really like landed in my world. Um, When 1989 came out, I listened to the album front to back. I own a copy of it on vinyl. I listen to it frequently to this day. (laughs) And ever since I've been invested in every release. And I think that's an interesting thing too about, not caring so much about exactly what genre you fall into is if she'd continued making country style music I may never have really been invested in her catalog I might not have been invested uh in her story as an artist and I I certainly probably wouldn't have paid too much attention to what she's doing in the industry which is incredible especially for female artists so I think you know by taking a risk and at the time I think it was a really big risk um to shift gears she opened herself up to a new audience knowing that she was going to keep the people she'd already built they were already invested they were already in love with her and her person and her artistry they were going to go along for the ride but it it meant that she had a, a larger appeal in different a different sphere um and then since then you know again like I've I've listened to every single release. I'm invested. I'm definitely following the conspiracies on Swift Talk right now for the the new releases. You know, like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm committed. And I think that's a cool thing. Like, and maybe there's some people that might not have listened to the more pop releases, but are totally in on Folklore or Evermore because that's their style. And they've heard it on a morning coffee playlist by Spotify. And they're like, oh, I love this song. You know, like. It's, I think it's really like the potential for access is huge when instead of saying, what do I think that I need to do to make this sort of record? You say, I'm going to make something that's true and how I'm feeling right now and what I just what I want. And people are going to connect with that because 
it comes from an honest place and we've all been there and we've all needed something at, at some point in time that's reflected in the music we create. Yeah, fantastic. And I really like how you brought up how, you know, if Taylor would have continued to create country, she wouldn't have gotten all those pop fans and other fans who discovered her and fell in love with her music from 1989 on. And honestly, Taylor is one of the most intelligent businesswomen, like, in oh, this my industry. goodness, yeah queen literally yeah <laughs> um and the other artist i wanted to briefly talk about is mara morris and i don't know if you know but she has gotten a lot of criticism from people in the industry saying she's not country enough after she won a lot of awards at the cmas in 2020 and honestly like she totally clapped back and was like listen like Yes, I have country in me. I also love pop and soul, and I'm going to do what I want. And, like, you know, she had to hit the middle, which is literally a dance song that I'm pretty sure bro broke a ton of records. That song must have smashed all the records, honestly. I don't know the stats, but that one blew up. But then she has country songs and some pop country crossover. And, you know, I love Marin as well. I'm looking up to her. Like, she isn't somebody who's going to let people tell her she's not country enough when she knows who she is as an artist and a person and if she's winning country music awards i'm pretty sure the country fans love her for who she is so that's another great example exactly and there's two points i want to make on that one is that at a certain point <laughs> um we have we have to let the audience make their own decisions and it's it's what they want it's what they listen to and what they support that matters ultimately it's it's listeners that matter uh, as much as the industry is important and, and infrastructure-wise, you know, holds everything together and and all that, it's we make music for people, and those people have to matter. And especially with award seasons and stuff like that, if they're turning around and, and saying, "Yes, yeah, she's worthy," then she's worth. That's the most important thing we can gauge success by. You know, is is people's support. Um, the other thing is, I think that brings up like a really good point um, on like what genre is, because I think, like I said before, I, I think there's that intersection of like so social and cultural context that meets like the technicality and the song structure and all of that kind of stuff. And I think country is a really good example of that because country's always had a very traditional style of song structure. And maybe hasn't in the past been as influenced by some of the more like cultural contextual pieces in the same way that pop or hip hop or R&B has been. But I think especially in today's world to create music that isn't influenced by our surroundings and our environment and what else is going on, not just in the musical landscape or the artistic landscape, but in the world as a whole all of it, if that doesn't inform the kind of music we create, then it's not going to feel authentic anyway. So to say that it has to continue on a line, you know, or a, sort of the rules that were created 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, doesn't make a lot of sense if we want to keep making music that's relatable to people that are growing up now and living now. I love that. Yeah, I think you brought up a great point about it 
been kind of generational too. Like our generation is all for being innovative and blending genres. And I know like some of the older generation kind of frowns down upon that. Like that's not country. That's not this. That's not that. It's like, but we're in 2021 now. <laughs> like things are changing, you know? Also, the way that we create music has changed significantly because, you know, back in the day, it, and not even that long ago, you had to book studio time, you had to hire musicians, you had to um, use a recording engineer, and you had to have the funds to do that or a label backing you to do that. And now we have programs like GarageBand that are free, um, and you can literally create music on your phone, on your computer, uh, using nothing more, you, you know, to be honest, you don't even need like a lot of musical knowledge, you know, like you can create sound with household objects, <laughs> you know, like that, that, we can kind of do anything. Like I like my, all my releases that are, that are coming out this year and next are all like, I do all my vocals from home, which, you know, like is a beautiful thing to be able to do because it saves me on studio time and engineer time and all that kind of stuff. And now, like, you know, that's kind of like that evolution of like a lot of lo-fi and like bedroom pop and and that sort of stuff is like literally people are able to create music from their bedroom. <laughs> and so, you know, why like why not throw in a cool spoon sample if you can? You know? like, how did these things sound together? You know, like um, as opposed to, you know, if, if I was to book studio time, I probably wouldn't be quite as like experimental or um you know, willing to take the same kind of risks because I'd be on the hook for not just the time for the space, but also every single person that was playing on the record. Yeah, great points. I honestly think this whole genre blending thing is allowing for so much more creativity. Like, we're not tied down to this is the only way to write a pop song or this is the only way to write a country song or R&B or whatever. We're able to explore and mix things together that inspire us. And I think that's the thing. Like, nowadays, we're inspired by many different artists and styles. And whether we know it or not, or whether we, you know, consciously do it, all of those influences find their way into our own styles. And the freedom of being able to explore that is making music, I think, so much more interesting because there are so many artists I love, independent artists especially, that have such cool sounds that you wouldn't necessarily find in mainstream, really. Because, you know, though there is more freedom in mainstream now with, you know, artists like Taylor and all of them um, being more innovative and blending genres. But as indies, we can literally do whatever we want without anybody telling us, no, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. And so because of that, like, there's so many cool sounds out there. And we're going to continue for just a few more minutes. <laughs> um, there's so many cool sounds out there that independent artists are coming up with because they're able to explore and, you know, tap into their imaginations and try things absolutely and I, and I think like artists like Taylor and, and Billie Eilish is another great example of that especially with the last release the last record happier than ever um of sort of empowering independent artists to take those risks as well because they are doing so with a platform that big and probably with a label that's saying are you sure you want to do that <laughs> <laughs> Like Billy's album has like, I don't know, it's like 10 different genres on it, you know, including bossa nova styles. And it's just, it's like, it's, I think I listen to it 
and I say, wow, like, okay, may- maybe I can be a little bit bolder in the risks that I take or the sounds that I try to create, or maybe I can trust my instinct a little bit more because that actually leans in a direction that I've been trying to go or, you know, whatever it is. I think, you know, when you're not listening to hyper-traditional styles, um, you you can let your mind run a little bit because you're like, oh, rules are meant to be broken. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> They're guidelines. They're guidelines. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I think like the whole taking risks thing, like if you never try it, you never know. And we're in a day and age where, you know, being creative and really standing out is so important. So if you don't take a risk and step outside the box and try something that feels right, that might seem totally off the rails to people, you never know. Like you could put out a song that's like so unique and it could literally hit so big and then you can create a whole new genre. You know what I mean? Like there's endless possibilities. I feel like that that's sort of the story a lot of the time for artists that blow up or they have a song that really blows up. And, and a lot of the time they're like, I didn't even I didn't even want to put it out because I thought it wasn't, you know, this, that or the other. But the thing with like experimentation for indies is like now is the time. This is the time when we can play and try and see what works and see what resonates and, you know, have maybe some misfires because we're in the early stages of building that community, that audience and the people that are here right now, they're in, they're in for the journey. They're in for the ride. They want to see, they want to see the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows. And like, now is the time to figure out what works so that when you get to that level where you might have industry interest, you know exactly who you are and what you bring to the table and what you want to create. And I think that is like one of the most beautiful things about being an independent artist. Absolutely. Wow. That was absolutely fantastic. I could not have said that better myself. Fantastic. And I think this is a great point to kind of wind things down. How rude is that timer? Like, I cannot believe this This is up already. <laughs> I feel like it went very quickly. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> exactly. It definitely does. So before we go, can you share final thoughts on blending genres? One thing I personally committed to going into this year was to stop censoring myself, to start trusting my instincts, my ears, and to create with an intention of making music that I love and that makes me feel good in the hopes that that creation from that honest place will resonate with people and people can take what they need from what I have to offer. So if there's anything I could depart with is like, just do it. (laughs) just just make what you want to make and do what makes you feel good and make sure you love what you're doing because we are so blessed to be able to have a life in music and to create music and to share music why waste it worrying about what you think you should be doing and what you think other people think you should be doing Wow, that was absolutely beautiful. Fantastic. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this chat. I could I could do this all day. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I might have to have you back for another one at some point. It was awesome having you. Where can you share with the listeners where they can find you on social media and listen to your fantastic music? Um, yeah, so I'm on all the socials. <laughs> um, on social media, I am Nikki Kennedy CA, and that's Nikki with one K. 
Uh, there's a story there for another day. Um, and, um, <laughs> on streaming services and uh, and all that good stuff. It's just Nikki Kennedy. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining me. This has been fantastic. Listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode on Blurring Genre Lines with Nikki Kennedy. And of course, until next time, stay, stay right, right on track. track.